On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Nick DiMatteo from Music Is Not A Genre. I just wanted to take a minute to talk to you about the service I use to record and distribute my podcasts. If you haven't heard about Anchor, let me tell you from experience, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Here's why. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So please take a moment out. If you are planning to create, record, and distribute podcasts, take a look at Anchor. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey everybody, I'm Nick DiMatteo and welcome to week 196 and video episode number 22 of 4T, the Thursday throwback track. Every week I take a release from my collection, I discuss it, I give you my take on it, I throw into whatever I want and talk about how it has influenced my music. This week, the 12-inch single from The Men, The Myths, Beasties, and She's On It, B-Side, Slow and Low. Love this cover. I'm going to talk about this thing here a little bit later on, too. Uh, this podcast will not do justice to the Beastie Boys or to my love for the Beastie Boys. I don't know that any particular podcast or uh, upcoming documentary or book from a year or two ago could. Certainly this release can't. I don't know that any single release of theirs could, but definitely this cannot. Uh, but it's a jumping off point for me to talk about one of my favorite bands. This, this band, if you want to know more about them, or like I said, read the book, Beastie Boys book, that's what it's called. See the pod, the, the podcast, see the documentary that's coming out tomorrow, Spike Jones, um, or anything else. Just go and find out and read it. This, uh, I'll give you a little bit of history if I so choose, but I'm not going to flesh it out uh, here because that's not what this is about. And if you don't know uh, them by now, you know, then uh, I suggest taking some time to learn about them. Um, but I will say this. They are top 10 for me, and not in a revolving, uh, these 50 bands are sometimes in my top 10 kind of way. They're hard, like in place top 10. I don't know which number, but they're there. And there are so many reasons for that. I'm going to be looking at my notes to read you some of those reasons. Uh, one, I mean, let's be honest, they kicked it off right when I was the age to appreciate them. Uh, License L came out when I was in high school in my teens, so uh, I was, you know, bound to fall in love with them, having already listened to a lot of hip hop uh, for maybe five years before that, five six years before that. Uh, the second thing, they uh, were funny from the get go. They took their music seriously, always did, even before their first album came out, um, and straight up until the end. Uh, but they never quite took themselves that seriously. I mean, I'm sure they did, you know, here and there, but in terms of their public persona, especially, they didn't. Um, so they injected an irreverence to things. How could you be reverent about the music and still be irreverent 
that's I love that. I try to capture that most of the time in the live shows I do on Facebook and um, hopefully elsewhere one day again. Um, third thing is they're from NYC. They're from New York. And I was in love with New York since before I even knew I was in love with New York. I, I moved uh, here in 2000. I've been here a long time. Uh, I'm not from here originally, though. But uh, the more I look back, the more I see the things that I loved, the music, the TV shows, the movies. And so many of them were set in New York or were about New York. I mean, it's, it's crazy to me, actually, that I didn't see it before. That's why it made so much sense for me to move here. Uh, they represent New York. To the Five Boroughs, great album. That's probably their most New York representative album. Uh, number four, they showed me and the rest of the world that otherwise totally uncool white boys could rap if they wanted to. And it didn't matter what your voice sounded like. Make it your real voice. Do what you do. Make the lyrics real. They, you know, they were crazy in the beginning and did some lyrics that were purposefully riffing on, you know, certain cliches and things like that. But really, even from the beginning and certainly later on, they made their lyrics their own. They talked about what they wanted to and they, they weaved, you know, the lines the way they wanted to. Eminem certainly checks them as an influence and why wouldn't he? Um... And, and along with that, they took hip-hop to places that it had not been before. Rick Rubin was a part of, a big part of that in the beginning, but they had a history as a punk band before they were a hip-hop band. So they had that, you know, DNA in them already. And yet, at the same time, they still respected its roots. They still respected the people who pioneered it. I mean, in fact, that they, they toured with Run DMC and they were friends with Run DMC. You know, they worked with Rick Rubin, too, Run DMC. So that was part of the reason. But they really respected each other. Um, they... Uh, Hey, this is the action pack section. I'm going to do this more than once probably because it's 12 inch. There's only one song on each side in this case. But I will keep talking. Number six. Why do I love them so much? Because they, uh, they evolved. They evolved musically. They evolved professionally. In terms of their business, they started their own label, they started their own zine or whatever you want to do. They did videos and stuff. And they evolved personally, certainly. Uh... Uh, you know, let me give you just a second to hear the beginning of this. That dingy thing, man. But you can't beat the bass. Can't beat the bass. At uh, seven, they mixed it up. They were never content to stick to just the, to the typical boom bap. Even when they did that, they added other things to it. I mean, go straight to Paul's Boutique. Um, you know, that's a perfect example and it was their second album. What a second album to come out with, really, after what they did in the first album. They could have gone anywhere and they went to the place they wanted to go musically. That, that's, I have so much respect for that. And they, con they continued to do that throughout their careers. They wove things into their sound that they wanted to, whatever sparked them. Um, and, and you can tell that, number eight, they loved music of all kinds. The book tells you a lot about that, but they, they loved it, they respected it, they revered it, and yet could still take the piss out of it and twist it around. And again, take the, the, the core love and elements of music you know, seriously while still ripping it apart and, and being irreverent about it. Uh, this is a term in an artistic sense, in a craftsmanship sense. Um, and, and, you know, when you read that book, you see the lists of music that they listen to and how incredibly eclectic it was and is. You know, and number nine, I mean, put all that together. They're never quite what you thought they were or are. And, I mean, they're, they're, you know, those are just some of the main reasons why I, I, I've loved them. Um, and, well, of course, one of the big... Uh, you know, uh, reasons why they were that way. I mean, all three of them contributed equally, but was, of course, out of the out. And uh, it's, you know, 
He's one of those dudes, still hard for me to believe that he's dead. Uh, like Prince, like Bowie, like uh, Cobain, like John Lennon. Um, the world doesn't seem right without them in it. There's something that just doesn't click in the brain to think that this person's no longer there anymore. And yeah, I mean, I, I wish, you know, uh, Harvitz and, and uh, Diamond would still do new music. I hope that they are doing things just for their own pleasure. I'd love to hear anything they release. I'm sure they'd want to call it something different band-wise. But I completely, 1,000% respect and understand why they wouldn't want to do music at this point and why it would take them so long to even possibly consider doing anything new. Um, losing a brother like that, essentially. And, and for that reason, you know, it hurts. They're one of the bands who've been around since, you know, almost my entire, you know, uh, coming of age life, let's say. And, um, you know, like bands like, uh, I don't know, U2 and Matthew Sweet, uh, no matter how long it takes them to put out something new or how popular or unpopular it is, I always look forward to it. And to not be able to look forward to more of Beastie's music, it's been a tough one, you know. Uh, so what's so special about this particular 12-inch? Uh, not that much other than it's Beasties, you know, thing, but there are three things I can mention. First of all, it's the only thing there is I have on vinyl. You know, I, I, I grew up at a time when vinyl and cassette and CDs coexisted and they weren't quite equal, but you could get almost everything on any of those formats. It was pretty freaking awesome. Uh, at times you could even get things on the 8-track. Look it up. Um, and after this, I just, I shifted to CD pretty quickly. So, you know, and I'm going to talk about that in another podcast as far as difference between CD and vinyl and cassette and all that crap. You got to stay tuned for that. Pause while I continue to talk and flip it again. You're going to hear the same two songs over and over until this podcast is over. You know, uh, second, these songs were not their most popular songs. In fact, they were released, as it says, in 1985, this 12-inch, but they, uh, the, it, it didn't hit. They weren't successful. Um, other songs from License the Ill were way more successful, as you may know, Fight for Your Right to Party, etc., etc. But what happened was these were re-released uh, two years later in 1987 and became big hits in the UK and elsewhere. So that's pretty cool. It showed that uh, songs like this could could land in a slightly different way other in other places, um, and and that the more eclectic stuff. I mean, this this is probably not super you know e eclectic, but the the side B for sure. Uh, you know, maybe the U.S. wasn't quite ready for. I don't know. Um, which uh, further, in terms of this long, very long second point, is that this side. This side, um, uh, A, actually this is a completely different point, this is third point. Side A has that kind of fight for your right, Rick Rubin, you know, rock, rap, field, heavy metal, and rap. Side B has the guitar, but it's, there's, it sounds more like those things are samples. They may have actually played them, but they sound, they're treated like samples. They're cut and paste over an 808. And you put those two things together, it kind of harkens back to the past where the 808 was so huge in hip-hop, but also kind of looks forward to Paul's Boutique with that kind of cut-and-paste style. So that's kind of interesting. And uh, fourth and not least, uh, this, not this song, but the Slow and Low, was actually written by Run DMC. So it was a collaboration. And they did other collaborations, certainly. Um, 
you know, uh, later, Ill Communication. I love that album, and the collaborations on that are freaking awesome. I think it's probably my favorite album of theirs. Sorry, Paul's Boutique, love you too, but no. Um, but this was one of, maybe one of their first, you know, official collaborations. Uh, when this 12-inch first came out, uh, right after the first album came out, as I said, it was seminal, you know, for, for uh, me and people my age, and I'm sure people younger and older. My brother, uh, Dave, and my DJ uh, partner and friend, Mike, uh, got together and learned all the lyrics to some of those songs from License to Ill, and used the uh, instrumental 12-inch, which I don't have, I think Mike probably has, and rapped over the instrumentals at the dances at the high school we used to DJ. Um, so this stuff just, we just absorbed it. I was ad rock, by the way. Yeah, I was. I don't know. You know, I was younger then. My voice was higher. My, my brother was MCA uh, and Mike S was Mike D. My friend Mike S was Mike D. Um, but so, you know, I can feel and you can feel, you can, you, you can hear in a lot of what I do, the DNA of this music. Um, in particular, the song that I chose to include here in the text, uh, a song called I Took One For Me. It's a very recent uh, hip hop song of mine, but you can hear how there's elements of rock. I choose the, the voices I want to sing and rap in and don't feel confined by any conventions of either yesterday or today. There's so many reasons why this is a good example of these dudes influencing me. Like I said, this isn't gonna do justice to the beasties or to my love for them, but it gives you kind of a flavor of uh, why they're so important uh, to me and honestly to the world and to music in general. Um, uh, if you get a chance, read the text below. This is adheres a little bit more closely to the text, so you know uh, it's going to be easy reading. Click the links. I put a link on for this for you know give you a little information on it. I put a link on, of course, for my song. I took one for me. Please click on it. Please listen to it. Listen to it three times. You get a good sense of what it's like. Once never does anything justice, frankly. No matter who it's from. And uh, share. Please share. Please subscribe. You'll know when I put out new, uh, you know, videos of all kinds. Subscribe to this. Go to Facebook.com slash Nick.Domatio so that you'll know when I put out live shows. I'm doing still three shows a week and I'm going to continue that for as long as possible. And while you're doing all that... Think of questions you want to ask me or comments you have. Do you have any history with the Beasties? Love them or hate them? Do you have any uh, history with any kind of hip-hop from any era? I'd love to hear about it. Uh, I want to know more of what you think. And, and if you've listened, what you think of that, too, of my songs, of the songs that I talk about. Because, as always, my objective with sharing this music, that being number one, is conversation and connection. Thank you again for watching and listening and reading and clicking and sharing and subscribing. And I will see you next week. What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, 
and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.